The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by AirStory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 46 as we chat with freelance copywriter Leanna Patch about the challenges of leaving an agency job to strike out on her own, getting attention at conferences, her copy optimization service called Snap, and whether there's a place for rubber chickens and whoopee cushions in (laughs) copywriting. Hi, Rob. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. So I think a good place to start is just finding out if you were funny as a kid and like what you wanted to be (laughs) when you grew up. (laughs) I feel like that's the question I want to know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you always have like a buzzer in your hand for handshakes and rattlesnake eggs, you know, to hand to other kids at school? I think I was like the unintentionally funny kid. I still have this expression, like I have serious resting bitch face, but my parents used to call me Little Miss Thundercloud uh, because <laughs> of my resting face. Nice. And I would say things that I thought were like very serious and they would laugh at me and then I would go, don't laugh. So <laughs> it's kind of like a 180 from there. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us your story. My story. Okay. Well, my dad loved my mom very much. And so... After they had my brother, they were like, well, this one's a dud. Uh, We should probably try again. Uh, And then I was born. And fast forwarding to now, I've worked in a couple agency settings. It didn't seem to stick. uh, And I was doing my own stuff on the side throughout. And then everything kind of gelled when I took the copywriter mastermind, the first copywriter mastermind with Joanna Weeb. And I started to figure out that I should pinpoint humor and that I should focus just on copywriting because I had noticed that I was getting way too deep into editing, especially publications editing, Mm. and I hated it so much. But then I looked at my work schedule and it was like, oh, all I'm doing is editing (laughs) magazines and I'm not writing anything. So yeah, I I sort of refocused, rebranded, and I've been writing fun and funny stuff and much more conversion copy oriented stuff uh, since then. So Leanna, you said that during the mastermind, you sort of figured out that you wanted to focus on humor. What was that process? And why did you land on humor as opposed to something else? Uh, I think there was some of that uh, soul searching stuff that all of the online gurus are always telling you to do. Like, what do you love doing the most? And what makes you happy? And what doesn't feel like work? I had also just interviewed one of the people who runs the comedy theater here that I eventually got involved in. And I had a good time chatting with him. And then, you know, he said, why don't you come take a class? And so so I did that, and then I ended up taking all the classes and graduating from the conservatory, and I've been sort of doing improv and sketch and stand-up since then. And so it was like, okay, I'm already doing comedy in my life. Why don't I try to make my work more fun? Who says I'm not allowed to do that? You know, why isn't anyone doing that? And there are people, for sure, already doing humor <laughs> copy, but I thought there was a little bit more room for me to squeeze in. Yeah, and so what has the evolution been like for you to really create these services and almost like prove to the market that it's important? I imagine it hasn't been easy. It's easier, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. So when I think about where humor copy works best, you know, obviously when you're writing the call to action, it's probably not a good place for humor because you don't want to distract anybody. You want them to 
just click through. You don't want to, you know, be clever over clear. But I think there's a lot more room for humor in emails, obviously social posts. And lately I've been doing a lot more funny content. So when people come to me for long form content, I make sure ahead of time that they're okay with me being kind of weird and a little bit like not offensive but occasionally a little bit you know borderline because one time I I did a long form content piece and I worked so hard on it and then I saw Mm. the edited draft and it was they had just cut out all my jokes and oh I had, no! Yeah, and I had checked with them ahead of time to make sure, like, hey, you know, so sad. yeah, I was like, did you come to me for my style? And they were like, yes, this, you know, they came to me. And so when I saw the the final draft, I was like, wait, what happened? So now I I try to make sure ahead of time that people know <laughs> that you know they want me. They don't want just regular old. Well, it's also obvious on your website. Like, yeah. it should not be a surprise. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, anybody um, that lands on your website and then wants serious copy, there's some serious understanding issues, right? So <laughs> Exactly. But, but let me let me ask this question. So what's so wrong with boring copy? You know, for what, ninety nine percent of copy out there is boring or at least plain and simple? Like what's wrong with that? Oh, I mean boring <laughs> Boring inherently is terrible, isn't it? Like, who's like, you know what I want to do? I want to read a really boring book. I want to watch the worst movie. <laughs> you know, if you can make it better, why not? If there's an opportunity to entertain along with educating and informing and building a relationship, why not? And I think there's different ways to do it. You don't have to be kind of obnoxious and absurd about it, but that's my favorite way. You know, you can be sweet and helpful and still lighthearted. So there's a lot of different ways to approach it, but it's all of them, I think, are better than just like corporate robot copy. Yeah. And I wonder, do you think that we are all funny in our own way or there's shades of gray? I feel like it's, we almost put ourselves into these categories of like, okay, Liana is funny, but I'm not funny. So I can't even approach this with a sense of humor. Oh man, this is the question. Like, is everybody funny? <laughs> can everybody be funny? And like, can I, we please? I think so. I think so. Because everybody laughs, right? Some people laugh more than others. Everybody has a different sense of humor. But if you spend a couple weeks figuring out, like mindfully paying attention to what you find funny and what makes you laugh, then you can start to find patterns in that and maybe emulate it, you know? Not everybody thinks the same things are funny, but everybody has a sense of humor. I hope. God, I hope. So (laughs) if we were thinking, you know, hey, the Copywriter Club website is pretty boring. It's just, you know, transcripts or whatever. Or, you know, my own personal website is maybe a little bit plain. It doesn't bring out my personality. What sort of things could I do or could Kira and I do or another writer do to start to be funny in a way that's natural? Starting with that process of figuring out, you know, what is funny to you is that's the good baseline. And then, you know, looking at your favorite movies and books and podcasts and comedians and figuring out like what, I know I'm just repeating myself, but what you find funny and then taking a risk, take a calculated risk somewhere in the copy where you say something that is going to be divisive and see how people react. I'm sure that I get tons of people coming to my site who take one look at it and they're like, nope, not for me. But then the people who do get in touch with me say things like, I loved your website copy. And I finally added that question to my intake form. You know, why are you interested in working with me specifically? Mm. And it's the last question on the intake form. And most people who answer it say, because I like your website copy, because you're funny. And someone wrote to me, 
the other day and they were like, you seem warm and friendly and it feels like you're approachable. And that is 100% what I'm trying to accomplish. So I think like, you know, just being you, which is the advice that everybody gets, just be you. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And, you know, but really do make a joke that you think is funny. Be self-indulgent and see who it attracts. Well, it seems like there's some confidence in there too, right? In a mindset switch that you need because a lot of, especially a lot of new copywriters might feel intimidated to put out that joke on their website because they think it should be a certain way or maybe they have a strange sense of humor and they're worried that no one will actually connect with their sense of humor. So it seems like it's almost like they have to just really build their confidence enough so that they're willing to kind of put it out there and that doesn't happen immediately, right? Might I suggest boxed wine uh, for that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really helpful life hack that I've discovered. I honestly wish that I had done more of that confidently putting myself out there sooner Um, because for so long my brand was kind of just like meh and I I feel like that was a leap like a light year leap ahead for me but you know there there is always the person at the open mic who goes up and confidently tells the worst most offensive jokes and you don't want to be that person so if you're not sure you know ask a friend ask someone whose opinion you trust like hey is this funny is this over the line is this connecting the right way and not just making people think like wow this person is weird Leanna, you mentioned that you've done comedy theater, you've done improv and sketch and and even stand-up. So I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, okay, but it's it's easy for you because you've had this training on how to be funny. What about, you know, the rest of us? Like, what are some things that we can do? Or what are some lessons from improv and sketch that we could take without necessarily taking those courses Mm -hmm. to make ourselves funnier or, you know, at the very least to make some of our copy funny? Well, first, get drunk, and that's really, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry I keep saying that. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> that oh. is clearly going to be the headline for this podcast. <laughs> get drunk, quite funny. And other sentences that aren't really. Okay. <laughs> you know, the primary, like the, the baseline rule of improv, no matter where you take it, is yes and. You know, say yes to your weird ideas. Say, okay, if, if this is so, then what else is true? So just instead of editing as you're writing or instead of criticizing your own jokes as you're writing, just keep going with it. No one has to see it. See where you end up because just like when you're writing and you discover, oh, you know, I can just actually cut this whole first intro paragraph because I don't need it. You might end up in a place with funny writing where, you know, you end up somewhere good, but the first part you can just scrap. You know, you don't need the lead in. So saying yes and seeing where it takes you is useful. Always making jokes or, or centering your writing around what you already know. So it's it's so much easier to make jokes about what's familiar to you. So I can make jokes about cats because I can't get away from them. They follow me <laughs> down the street. That happened this morning, actually. I like ran into a cat and it was like, take me with you. I was like, oh, I wish I could. <laughs> and, you know, inbound marketing and things like that. It's easy for me because I spend all day living in this world and I can't make jokes about other things because I don't have that knowledge to to reach for. Yeah. And I can I can go on because it's all tied together I think. Like specificity is so important and it's easier to be specific when you know a topic and like if you watch some really great stand-ups, it's the word choice that they use when they deliver a line. It's not even that the line itself is super funny, but it's the words, the specific words that they choose along with their delivery that makes it so funny. So 
I don't know. I'm just rambling now uh, about. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that too, but I think uh, this is maybe one of the things that I struggle with in comedy because so much of comedy is the expression on your face or the way that you've moved your body. It's physical, right? And and yeah. that is really hard to deliver in copy so that a joke doesn't fall flat or come across as maybe sarcastic or nasty. And I've had where I've been joking online with people and then I look back and I see what I wrote. <laughs> and what was meant to be sort of sarcastic and funny was like really biting and mean. Oh. And no. are, you, are, you talking, are you talking about our messages back and forth? Rob? Not between our, you and me, no. But but you know, it's so so. How do you? But how do you bridge that? Like because you know we don't want to come across as as mean, but we do want to be funny. That's interesting to me. So when I was doing a lot more editing, I wrote very grammatically correctly and by the book and I punctuated correctly and things like that. And one huge thing that I've noticed myself start to do is accept the like internet parlance of lower casing a word or a sentence or leaving off punctuation or punctuating intentionally and correctly or using emoji and things like that. So I think you can make those tone shifts in your writing, but you have to be willing to not write by the book grammatically. So no more all caps for me. (laughs) Stop screaming at everybody, Rob. Exactly. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, we, we've talked a lot in the Facebook group and on the podcast about choosing your niche and how important that is, and so, you know, or maybe you don't need to do that. But it sounds like that plays into what you do, because if, it's, if you can be funnier when you really know a topic mm-hmm. or you know your content better than anybody, it seems like that really supports the argument that choosing a niche could help you as a copywriter because you have that deep understanding so you can crack the jokes because you know it better than anybody. Hopefully. I don't, I don't, I don't know it better than anybody. <laughs> or, am I, guys. or am I just putting a lot of pressure on all of us? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Um. Okay. So I do want to hear more about, uh, you mentioned the tip, you know, be specific. Mm-hmm. So can you just explain that a bit more and how we can do that as copywriters? Are there any exercises we can use to help us with that? Get drunk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what? has had a little too much to drink this morning. Guys, it's 11 o'clock, okay? I won't start drinking for another 15 minutes, okay? I have work to do. Actually, I was thinking about this last night because I was trying to write something and I was just, you know, you know, you're like brain dead by the end of the day. And I was trying to describe our copywriting quote-unquote trifecta, which is what they're calling it at CTA Conflicts <laughs> uh, this month. I'm not laughing at you. It's, I, I yeah. like it. Oh, I know. I didn't call it that. Don't worry. But, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of like it. Trifecta makes me feel like a fancy cake. But I was like, okay, how do I describe this? I don't have any words. And so sometimes when I'm tired and I just have to get the framework for something out, I'll just use a bunch of hyphenated adjectives in place of the word that I'm looking for or pick a noun that kind of gives me the feeling of what I'm looking for but isn't quite right yet. And then that sometimes ends up staying in the writing because giving myself that leeway to be a little more relaxed and a little more vague with it will sometimes sometimes help you find a funnier angle. So for instance, I was trying to describe, you know, what the feeling of seeing three copywriters in quick succession helping you go from customer research all the way through edited published ready copy would be like. And I think I ended up calling it a three-part slam dunk conversion copywriting whirlwind, which isn't right, but it it's an image, you know, and it's it kind of gives you the sense that it's going to punch you in the face with copywriting knowledge. That's what I was going for. I don't know if that's going to make it into the final draft, but just giving yourself some leeway to choose weird words can help you be more specific sometimes. 
Does that make yeah. any sense at all? No, it's, and it takes off the pressure immediately, right? So you have some space yeah. just to kind of figure it out and then come back yeah. to it as well. Sometimes I feel like you just, I force myself to figure it out on the spot and then I can't really nail it. Yeah. I know that sometimes I just need to get past that and move on to something else and come back to it later. And I'll have that idea of what I was trying to say. And that's, I end up with like many hyphenated adjectives. And then sometimes instead of using an adjective, I'll just quote the feeling that I'm feeling. I'm trying to think of an example, but, and and it's an easier way to get into your reader's head too, right? So instead of using a word, you can just be like, I know you're feeling exactly this way. So I'm just going to put it in quotes and shove it in here. Yeah. That's kind of a shortcut. It feels like a lot of writing funny is actually rewriting over and over. I mean, and I think this is true of most professional comedians is they, you know, rework a joke and change the words to see how an audience responds and, you know, retweak it again and again. And people like Jerry Seinfeld, who may actually work on a joke for months before they're ready to sort of roll it out. And it sounds like that's maybe some of your same process, maybe not for months, because very few clients will wait that long. But (laughs) there's got to be a lot of rewriting and reworking in order to make the joke fall correctly. Yeah, I definitely don't rework for, you know, intensively, like that intensively, but I think it comes down mostly to editing and figuring out when it's appropriate to have a joke and when you really just need to kill your darlings and cut the fluff and, you know, move on. So I just finished up a piece. Actually, it went live today. I just got an email about it. It's a little bit over 5,000 words on sustainable e-commerce, which you know, doesn't sound like the <laughs> liveliest topic in the world, but I had such a great time writing it. And I worked with some really great editors. And so they went through and they, you know, marked places where they're like, hey, I think this is a little distracting. Maybe just, you know, cut this parenthetical aside about yourself. Cause that's another way that I like to insert myself into content is just like make a, you know, a parenthetical aside here and there. But they really helped me polish it down mm-hmm. to what it should be rather than the kind of a little bit sprawling draft that I delivered. Like that wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but there were a few too many jokes in there. So I think editing and being merciless in that regard definitely helps. Well, and I think that just shows you the power of editing and that every copywriter, I think, should have some type mm-hmm. of editor, whether, you know, you have someone who's on your team or you just reach out to, you know, one of your copy therapists or copy partners to get feedback. And I know I've, you know, I've received feedback from both of you on many projects and it's always helpful. If I'm stuck somewhere, it's just you kind of help me through it. And I think we all need that. I can't imagine not needing that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So I want to backtrack a bit. You mentioned earlier that you had wished you had kind of put yourself out there more. You're obviously doing it now. I'm just curious, you know, what was the catalyst for you to help you kind of get the confidence or whatever you needed to start putting yourself out there in a bigger way and really start landing these big speaking engagements, you know, bigger projects? What shifted for you? Because there are probably a lot of copywriters who kind of need that, whatever it is. You know, being in the mastermind with a group of friends and peers helps so much because it was like, okay, finally, I'm not alone out here. I have external validation that what I'm doing is not terrible and that maybe I should try for things. That's one side of it, like being surrounded by other writers who can build you up and help you and direct you and validate that what you're doing is not stupid, which I constantly need. And then the other thing, do y'all know Aaron Orendorf? I've heard his name. I don't know him. He's the guy who says, let's get rejected. Right. That's his catchphrase. So his thing is like, just try and 
let's get rejected. Let's collect no's. And so I think it was a combination of just being exasperated with my anxiety, like living with anxiety and constantly cutting myself down before I even gave anybody else a chance to do that. Just being like, hey, why don't I just try? Why don't I just pitch Unbounce on speaking next year and just see what happens. And even if they say no, maybe I'll have formed a relationship for the year after that. Or maybe I'll just write to this person and be like, hey, I think you're super funny. Or hey, I think you're super smart. Just wanted to tell you that. Not ask for anything. Just connect. And that kind of thing. Um, So that's how I started that. Because I I was just a combination of being tired of being my own worst critic and having peer support. And now you've been picked up by two or three different conferences, if I'm not mistaken. Like you're speaking all over the place in the next couple of months. Yeah, I'm excited. I spoke at New Orleans Entrepreneur Week here in March, which was fun. That was the second time I spoke here with a friend of mine who's a graphic designer. She did all the stuff on my site. She's amazing. I spoke at Conversion World, which is a virtual conference. So that was just me in a room with a headset being funny to a webcam, which was... Ooh, there are, the recordings are available. Oh, I want to I want to see that. <laughs> uh, sure you do. <laughs> I, I wasn't even able to watch it all the way through, but I had a good time. <laughs> Some people wrote to me and they were like, oh, I've never thought about retention marketing that way. And I was like, okay, great. One person got value from this. And that's the other thing. Like, as long as one person can get value from it, then that's fine. And like the first time I ever went to a stand-up open mic, my best friend was there and she sat in the back and I just told all my jokes to her and they landed super well because I was relaxed and I was just having a conversation with my friend. So that's that's kind of the way that I'm trying to approach speaking. Yeah, and I'll be at CTA Conf later this month talking about how to edit your own writing and a couple of things that you can do to hack your dumb brain when you're editing your own stuff. Uh, should I just keep going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just keep, I'm, make, I'm making a list, okay? Oh, no. no, so I really want to hear about the impact, if you can speak to the impact of these speaking engagements. And I know some of them are coming up still, but just how they've changed your business, if they have. And then also, I'm stealing two questions here. Uh, like, how, how do we get started if, if someone listening wants to speak on stage and you know, let's say that they know they can be decent, they just haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. What are some steps they can take to potentially, you know, speak on a big stage over the next six months or the next year? Well, in terms of impact, I wouldn't say life-changing impact. I've definitely been approached by a couple people, potential client work. I've made some really cool connections with people actually all over the world. Somebody tweeted a photo of his laptop watching my conversion world broadcast in South Africa with Table Mountain in the background and a glass of wine. And I was like, oh, you're so cool. And then we ended up getting a call and it was really cool to meet him. He runs an e-commerce optimization agency. In terms of getting started, we'll first get drunk. Um, (laughs) You guys, it's a callback. This is my one joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone listening. You know, figure out what you're most interested in exploring and then just do some research. I like to use deep dive and look up um, scholarly articles related to marketing research and marketing psychology and buyer psychology and figure out what the latest news is and what the latest findings are saying and, and try to integrate that into what we already know and what works best in practice and just put together a talk outline for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes for yourself 
and if you want, you can give it to a friend and, and say, are there any pieces of this that don't make sense? Am I jumping from topic to topic without making a connection? Is it too heavy in one area or another? You know, that's how I, I start to put together talks. I'm just like, what's interesting? How can I give good context around it? And then how can I make it entertaining to watch and hear? So all of this, are you putting together this presentation before you're even pitching it so you have the presentation and you can really speak to what you can deliver is that the process sometimes yeah yeah if you know that you're putting together something that will fit really well at a conference definitely pitch something or if you already have you know a couple presentations like I have I have a few now and I've pitched here and there but I wanted to do actually for Unbounce I wanted to do a presentation on humor and copy but they needed someone to talk about editing and I was like okay well I can talk about that too and maybe Hmm. that'll be you know maybe this is the first time I speak at CTA conference maybe next year I get to speak on humor copy I hope they're not listening because that sounds very (laughs) presumptuous (laughs) just kidding guys very grateful hopefully next year all three of us are speaking at CTA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you did pitch yourself then to Unbounce? I did. Okay. Yeah, like basically right after the conference last year, because I went and I was so excited to see everyone, especially Amy Harrison, who is so funny and so smart and such a great writer. And I was kind of fangirling. And I just, you know, I went up to her at this event at the conference that we were at this like science museum. And I was just like, I think you're so cool. Let's hang out. And then I pretty much like followed her around like a puppy uh, through the museum. And she was just like, I can't get rid of this person. Why is she still here? <laughs> Give me more wine. <laughs> then we became friends. And I think probably again, in one drunken fit of peak one night, I was like, hey, why not me? And I emailed, <laughs> I emailed Undowns and I was just like, hey, how do you go about pitching for this? I'd love to, I'd love to just know how it works. And so it actually took a lot of emails because I think the conference management changed hands like four times over the, over the course of the next few months. So I started talking to them probably in September-ish. And, uh, and I, I decided to follow up one last time early this spring. And I was like, that's probably, you know, it's probably nothing, but I have boomerang for Gmail. So the email came back to my inbox and I was like, I'll just send one last email. And that last email got to the right person. We had a a Skype call and I said, okay, I've given this some thought. Here's how I think I can fit in with your existing speakers. Having heard what they're already talking about, here's where I can cap it off. And they said, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. And I was like, what? (laughs) Really me? (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, I think persistence even you know, polite, sweet follow-ups because people are busy. That helped. That worked for me. So Leanna, you maybe have just sort of answered this question, but I'm wondering, do you do anything unique in your pitch process or do you just sort of follow what they ask for, send the outline, send an email, or what are you doing to make yourself stand out from everybody else who's pitching? In terms of talks, I've just, I'm trying to be as open as possible and ask for feedback. So if I pitch an idea, I'll say, you know, we could do this or we could do it this other way. What do you think? Or here's a different angle. Or I could also talk about this element of it or focus on this. And so I, I try to, to keep the conversation open and not super formal, which is actually how I've been writing all of my emails for a while. Uh, and it, I think, you know, it gets really good results because people, first of all, remember that they're talking to a human and second of all say, oh, good. OK, this person is really invested in making our event or our content piece a success. Let's pick an avenue and go with it. You can also just think of it as throwing so many choices at them that they can't say no. <laughs> Please just pick one. I'll do anything. <laughs> But it worked. I mean, that's incredible. It worked. And I think even what you said, you 
attended the conference. And I think that probably helps too. If there's some, an event you want to speak at the next mm-hmm. year, actually go. And so they can put a face to a name and you can build the relationship. Yeah. It's just a reminder to me as I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I should really go to more events and conferences and build more relationships. As long as you're a personable person while you're there, because it's so hit or miss for me. Like sometimes at conferences, I'm like, I am killing it right now. Like I am so charming. Everyone in this room is in love with me. And then other times I'm like, I can't, I just can't. I'm like a shrub in the corner and people come up to me and they're like, hi, what's your name? And I'm like, don't talk to me, please. That's, okay, yeah, that's kind of hard to believe. Uh, Very oh, hard to believe. I, I doubt it. Name the conference where you were a shrub. It does not exist. Uh, Conversion <laughs> XL Live. The first time oh, I went. No, you were what? Okay, you were on stage singing karaoke, and okay, we were all well, in awe of your angelic voice. Kira, no. <laughs> you know what they had at the karaoke party? You know what they had? I do. I do. Wine! Okay, good. Yes, I'm really glad that. you guys brought up the singing, though, because there's a video that we want to link to in the show notes <laughs> that no. makes me laugh. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, you're going to want to check out. Wait, it makes you up. laugh? Are we talking about the same video? I think so. Oh, no. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> that's that's my acapella video? <laughs> that's like, correct. Yes, that's the one. Laugh? You're so cruel, Rob. <laughs> I don't do humor very well, unfortunately. Uh. Okay, so back to your, your presentations, your talks. And these are actually selfish questions because I'm preparing for a talk in the fall and I have no idea what I'm doing. How do you prepare once you've landed the speaking engagement? You know, it's a CTA is huge, so you don't want to mess it up, right? It's like, how do you prepare so you know you'll nail it? Well, I spent about a week uh, just freaking out like a week on full blown anxiety attack. <laughs> then I went and got prescribed anxiety medication. <laughs> True story, guys. It's a real problem because because and this is just kind of an aside. This was like me realizing that freaking out to the point where you are having nightmares is not a normal response to good news. So I was like, okay, my my neurotransmitters are out of whack. Let's go fix that. So I did that, and then I started with just. The way that I start with a lot of projects that scare me and excite me, which is paper. Instead of opening like a Google Doc, I just grab some post-it notes or a scrap of paper and it feels like less pressure to start jotting down notes. It's also less distracting because when you're trying to avoid something that scares you, you can find yourself on Facebook extremely frequently. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this ever. And maybe it's just me. Um, you end up yeah. in the, cop- the Copywriter Club Facebook group. Yeah, pretty much. Like, because I have blocked my long. news feed on Facebook. So now it's just like group stuff in my notifications. And so I do kind of spend some time in the Copywriter <laughs> Club. <laughs> I'm not being paid to say that, I promise. Okay, so I want to know where you're spending most of your time in your business today. Because you have multiple businesses too. Could you just speak to kind of like what services you, you're selling today and what you're building, what you're focusing your time on? Yeah, tell yeah. us about tell us about Snap and what you're doing with James. So, snapcopy.co is my other copywriting business that I co-run with James Turner, who is like my business best uh-huh. friend, who we all know, who is just so wonderful and sweet and incredibly smart and talented. So, Snap is conversion copy on demand, and we write small projects. So, we write things like um, Facebook ads and headlines and taglines, and we also optimize larger pro- projects. So, when clients already have copy for a landing page, but it's not converting, they'll bring it to us and we'll give feedback on you know the whole look of the page, like the UX and the layout and the graphics, and then also make suggestions for improving the copy and making it more action-oriented so that people convert. 
And is that like an opportunity for other writers? Like if people want to work on small projects, should they be reaching out to you and James or is the game locked? TikTok games locked. <laughs> It's not it's not locked, but we are lucky to know many very accomplished conversion writers. So we have, you know, some people <laughs> that we can reach out to when demand gets too high. But yeah, I mean, we're always open to it. Email us if, if you know, if we can grow the business to a point where we can hire everybody. Awesome. We'll do it. Awesome. And then in your your business with your services, how have you packaged them? I know you have some consulting and then you have, well, why don't you share that? So I have a, I have a couple packages. I also have a thing on my wall right now that's like things that you're going to get done by the end of April. Ooh. And one of them is like put up more packages on your site. So I'm really nailing that, you guys. It's June um, 1st today. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally says launch punchline packages, like deadline for all of them, June seventeenth. But okay, you've got some. You've got some packages on your website, I though. I mean, it looks good. Yeah, one of the things that I, you know, I got interested in kind of organically. I was researching it for my conversion world talk. Was um, retention emails and mm. SaaS onboarding and retention email sequences. So, like when you sign up for a service and you get those emails once every couple of days that say, hey, can you log back in and do a thing? So many of those are so bad. Yeah. And I figured it's out of some people's, some companies' budgets to have all of those written from scratch and have all the research done from scratch. But if they already have them and they're not working, why not offer a package where I can go in and say like, okay, well, clearly this incredibly boring subject line isn't going to get anybody to open the email. So right there is a fail uh, for conversion. And how can I go through, you know, up to six of your onboarding emails and make them better, make them more interesting and engaging and funny, dare I say it. So that's one of the packages that I'm offering. And then I have a roadmapping session where people who are just kind of at a crossroads or just not sure where to go next can book an hour of my time. And, you know, I used to be, uh, one of my agency jobs was director of inbound marketing. So like I have a strategic background and I can say like, Here's where you should focus your effort. Here's what your first priority should be. You know, don't blog every week if your blog isn't getting any traffic. That's not where you should be spending your effort. Stuff like that. So that's one of the other things that I do. So, Leanna, before we start to wrap up, I want to go back to humor a little bit. Are there companies that are doing humor really well that you look at and say, these guys are nailing it. Uh, for sure. And I should have put together a list. But so for instance, Foot Cardigan, which our friend Jen Hayweiss told me about, they sell socks. And they just sent me an email today with the subject line, your dad called, he wants you to save some money. So like, <laughs> that kind of weirdness stands out in your inbox. And the whole email I'm looking at it now is so weird. They're doing a great job. There are some SaaS companies using humor. Wistia has some fun retention emails where they send you a picture of a cute dog at a computer where it's like, do you need some help? Because you haven't posted a video yet. But it's, it's kind of hit or miss. And oh, what did I buy the other day? I bought something and the whole like lead up to the checkout was so funny and fun. And then the, oh, it was drops. It's like a laundry packet subscription, like a laundry detergent pack that they'll send to your house. I don't know, guys. I don't do that much laundry. So I'm not that much of a filthy animal that I might need like a subscription to laundry detergent. But but they have such a funny marketing video and their website copy is good. And so I was like, I can't wait to see what the checkout process is like. And I went through it and I get to the end of it and it's like, thank you for your order. Your confirmation will be sent to your email. I was like, oh, what a letdown. Right. So yes, many, many companies are doing it, but they're not 
being consistent about it in the way that I think would be the most effective. Like, why not make it enjoyable all the way through? Yeah, and and even for retention, right? As you keep going on through the entire customer relationship. Yeah, it's like like when you're super charming up front with someone on the first date, and they're like, I can't wait to see them again. And then the second date, you're like, actually, this is the real me. I am terrible. <laughs> That's the like, <laughs> bait and switch. <laughs> um, okay, so I have one last question for you. And, you know, because we have lots of new copywriters that listen to this podcast, what would be your advice to them to help them get started and really gain some traction and figure out what they're good at and put themselves out there? No pressure. In terms of like <laughs> writing funny copy or in just like in, gen- in, in general, what you wish you would have heard when you were starting uh, out? I think just figuring out what feels like the most fun when you're working. Because, you know, I ended up in that spot where I was like, everything I'm doing feels so much like work that I'm actually not taking deep breaths while I'm doing it. Like while I was editing, I was just holding my breath and getting so angry at these poor hapless writers whose work I was correcting. Like they're nice people, but I was like, ah, this is so bad. How can you be so bad? So, you know, then I looked at it and I was like, what do I really love doing? I love writing weird stuff. And at the time, the only place I had been able to be weird was in the captions for this, this weekly blog that I was doing for an for a now defunct site called Fan Quarterly. And I was just rounding up items on Etsy, either that I loved or that I thought were really stupid. And then sort of like making fun of them while saying why I would buy them and then linking to them. And I was having the most fun doing that. It never felt like work and I always looked forward to it. So if you are taking on a bunch of projects before you're, you know, as you're deciding on your niche, what feels most fun to you and who are the most fun clients to work with? Whose calls do you look forward to and whose calls yeah. do you dread? That kind of thing really helps. That's great advice for all of us. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you need money, it's like, oh, I can't really <laughs> pick and choose. But, uh, but who needs money? <laughs> money is just a social construct. Yeah, right. We don't need money. So, Leanna, I have one last question for you, and that is, will you tell us a joke? Oh, okay. <laughs> I will tell you one joke, and it's, it's, it's for all you inbound marketing people out there. Get ready. Okay. We actually Did have time for, like, I think probably your whole stand-up set. Like, we've got you know, like seven or eight minutes here. It's too bad so. <laughs> that I don't think we do, Rob. I don't think we have time. Um, it's a shame because I was totally ready to do that. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Actually, my whole stand-up set, like my most recent one, is about basically like dating in my uterus. So nobody wants to hear that, especially. Oh, I do. I definitely um, do. Whew, it's a good time for everyone. I like watching people's faces in the audience. And they're just like, who is she? Why is she telling me so much about her internal organs? Anyway, have you guys heard the one about the funnel who broke up with the landing page uh, because they had different beliefs? I have not. Yeah, I mean, it's such a shame because the landing page just wasn't interested in converting. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's funny, but I'm pulling my collar out to the side. <laughs> so if, if our listeners want to hear more from you and maybe perhaps want to see you on video and read your content, where can they find you? They can find me at punchlinecopy.com. I have made one video that has um, Which I love. Weeks. I love it too. It's so fun. I made, you know, I make videos for my sketch group and I was like, Hey, why don't I make videos for myself? And then I made this one and I had such a great time with it. So there, there will be more, um, as, as soon as I get past all of these conferences, there will be more videos. But for now there is a video, uh, about five ways to be funnier in your copy. And it's on my site under uh, watch and read where I've collected very egotistically all the things that I've written. 
that I like. And we will link to that in the show notes. Cool. And thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, you're the best. Leanna, thanks. Uh, you guys are the best. I just, <laughs> I wanna, can we just keep hanging out? Before we end the podcast, we just want to tell you about our sponsor, AirStory. AirStory is an application designed to help you write faster. And it does a few things really well. It makes collaborating with others on your team easier. So if you work with clients or other team members on projects, you'll love the way that you can interact within your project documents. But there are two things that we really like about AirStory that you won't get with Word or Google Docs. The first is the way that it lets you organize information into cards. If you refer to research or other information when writing blog posts or websites or sales pages, you'll love the way that you can organize bits of information or entire articles into a card file that you can then drag and drop into your document. And if you do your research online, AirStory's Chrome extension lets you cut and save information directly into AirStory. It's pretty cool. Plus, AirStory has a library of templates that you can use on different projects. So let's say you've been hired to write a sales page or an email sequence and you don't have any experience or you want additional inspiration for the project. You can go into the template library, find a template for what you're working on and use it to start your document. Maybe best of all, you can try it now for free. In fact, one project at AirStory is always free. If you're a professional writer, there's so much here that can help you. Check it out at airstory.co forward slash club. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.